0: Welcome to episode One Hundred and eighty seven of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theater featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. I want to remind you that with my friends at Simple Truth Theatre, I will be bringing my solo play, The Commandment, to the Toronto Fringe this summer. The Commandment is about what happens when an atheist discovers that he's been chosen to deliver God's new commandment and will be presented at the Tarragon Extra Space. You can find out all about it by finding it in your Fringe listings or by following me on my social links on Twitter and Instagram at Phil and You can also find details on SimpleTruthTheatre.com. And as always, if you want to drop me a line about the pod, You can find it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and the website is stageworthypodcast.com. Let's talk about Today Ticks. Today Ticks is an app and website that offers easy and affordable access to a wide variety of must see cultural performances from plays and musicals to dance, opera, comedy, immersive experiences, and beyond. And right now, there is so much on Today Takes that it is almost impossible for me to pick a couple. You should really make it your one-stop shop because you will find tickets for shows at the Luminato Festival, Soul Pepper, the Stratford Festival, and so much more. And remember that you can get $5 off your first purchase on TodayTix if you use the code Stageworthy when you check out. TodayTix makes ticket buying simple, and you can purchase tickets in less than 30 seconds. Get it on iOS and Android, or go to todaytix.com, and remember to use the code Stageworthy when you make your first purchase on the app. This week, my guests are Kaho Koda and Sachi Lovett from Human Burritos Decaying Tongue, which will be presented at the Randolph Theatre as part of the 2019 Toronto Fringe Festival. So why don't we start by talking about what uh, what what uh, Decaying Tongue is
1: about?
2: Yes, for sure. Do you want to? Well, let's see. <laughs> You're the writer. I think <laughs> <The> <laughs> I did it. Okay, for sure. Um, so Decaying Tongue is about a Japanese woman named Aya. Uh, so she has lived in both Japan and the Western world, and so it's kind of like a self exploration of her going through different environments. Um, so, she has an internal, um, cultural identity, I guess, struggle, um, and so, we look at how she interacts, not just with friends and in the environment, but with her very traditional Japanese family. Mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, the show's about exploring that, and, yeah. Do, do you have
1: something to add? (laughs) Well, like, (laughs) when I saw the breakdown, I was like, this is me, I'm, I'm half Japanese, Mm -hmm. and then, like, I could identify with her the of the main character struggling between this like western half and mm-hmm. uh japanese half in the script she's fully ethnically japanese mm-hmm. but like culturally she's both and, right, right. and i relate to the culturally and also biracial as well mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that yeah nice it's right nice. to me what was what
0: was the inspiration for for writing this
2: for writing i guess um it is kind of a storytelling of what I've been experiencing just mm-hmm. all my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, when I was young, I lived in the States for a little bit, mm-hmm. um, till I till five years old to seven years old. Um, so I developed this thing where I was praised for being very unique, being outspoken, um, all these things in the states Mm -hmm. and then when i flew back to japan and you know it's it's where i'm from supposedly and um first time Mm -hmm. going to school and i really stood out and i was bullied for it because Mm. the cultural norm in japan it's more conforming to society conforming Mm -hmm. to you know the the community and the teamwork is more important than the individual um so that that was the first ever culture shock like i didn't even know that was a culture shock yeah but that's something that I realized when I was very young at the age of seven. And so with the environment that I grew up in, um, I moved to Canada when I was uh, in high school. Mm-hmm. And so I I established, well, I I had that same experience again, mm-hmm. coming back to a Western culture. And then now I was like, oh, wow, everyone's so individualistic right. when I was really used to the way it was done in Japan. And so I guess throughout my life, cultural identity has always been like a topic mm-hmm. in my mind um and it's it's something i'm really passionate about 100 and mm-hmm. so i decided it's kind of the first piece i finished writing you know like yeah. i always try to write something and it starts but yeah. it doesn't really end but this is this is my passion project nice. so yeah
0: it sounds like um having started you know you know, spending some time in the States and then Japan and then back in Canada, that there was a real, like, uh, elastic sort of, like, going one way and then the other. Like, individual, then society, and then individual mm-hmm. again. Um, as a coming... Uh, I mean, we, you spoke about how difficult it was to go from being praised for uh, being so individualistic in, yeah. from the States when you went to Japan, mm-hmm. and then... Having to relearn how to be, uh, uh, society first or the group first. Yeah. And then coming back to Canada, was that, was that difficult?
2: It was difficult. It was a huge transition because in my mindset, um, you know, like I lived in Japan for 10 years at that point and I came here. So it was all about the teamwork, like, like a really weird example is even going to the bathroom together like all the girls <laughs> going to the bathroom together that was like a whole thing yeah um and then i saw how people um interacted with each other very individualistic but also if you say it in a very negative term kind of selfish you know mm-hmm. it's always about me 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 yeah um in a way um And it was also hard for me to, I guess, adapt into that environment because um, I moved here with my family, my mom and my dad. Mm -hmm. So I would go home and I would tell them about what I experienced that day that was off for me. And my parents would say things like, oh, yeah, that's weird. Or, you know, like there was that coming back to more some kind of a Japanese world back home. Um, but that did switch when my parents uh, left and they went home to Japan um, mm. when I was in university. So that was when I kind of started started establishing my own cultural identity. You know, mm. being on my own, living with international students from across the world, living with Canadians, all of that.
0: And are your parents still in Japan? Yeah, all yeah. my families okay. in Japan.
2: Okay. Yeah, okay. they stayed. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, out of curiosity, what what what... Brought your family to the States, then back to Japan, then to Canada again.
2: It was primarily my father's work. Mm-hmm. So any any moving was because my dad was transferred to mm-hmm. a specific location. So we're a tight family. Um, and I think it was easier to move to Montreal just because I lived in the States when I was young, where I picked up my English. I became mm-hmm. bilingual. And it is a huge asset to have in Japan, being able to speak in English. Sure. And My parents wanted me to keep that. So I would go to a Japanese public school during the day. And then after school, I would go to an English class to just, you know, like playing games Mm -hmm. and (laughs) writing diaries, reading English books just to keep my English. Mm -hmm. And because I was good at it and I was able to maintain that when he was transferred to Montreal, it was kind of an easier Mm -hmm. transition. Okay, you do you you can speak English. You can't you do understand Mm -hmm. it. So it was easier in those terms, but sure. culturally a bit
0: different. Was the French aspect of Quebec society difficult for you?
2: Very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how French it was until I landed at um, the airport, mm-hmm. and it was just. Instant. I wanted to go home back to Japan, like
0: almost immediately.
2: Immediately, just <laughs> all the signs in French. You know, all the announcements, like everything mm-hmm. was just in mm-hmm. French. And I didn't. I knew it was going to be French, but not to that extent. Mm. And also, you know, Quebecois people are different. They Like, I had no idea where I was going into. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was living in the English bubble uh, while I was there because, you know, school is English, all of that. But also, when I was trying to find work after graduating, it was just, like, I spoke a little bit of French, you know? It's just enough to get by to, you know, like, waitress or, like, that was fine. But living there and, you know, trying to figure out my career, it wasn't the best for me.
0: It's very difficult to do in in Montreal if you don't have the French. (laughs) Exactly.
2: Like, any job description, the first thing is bilingualism. English-French is required. Yeah, Yeah. and so, just... And then Toronto's right there. It's English. Mm -hmm. Lots of opportunities. Lots of theatre scenes, like, art scenes happening. So, it was kind of like, okay, I guess I could move to Toronto. Nothing's tying me down to Montreal. And so... Two three years ago, I, I just made the move.
0: Okay, I want to come back to that, Sachi. What was uh, you spoke a uh, uh, a bit about um, the duality of being half Japanese and and how uh, you that you were drawn to Aya's story in this play. Um, can you talk a little bit about um, like your journey um, similar to to Kahos? Was there like where did you did you grow up in Toronto? Did you? uh
1: you... sure. Oh, I really related when Kaho you said that you went to Japanese school during the day in Japan and then English <laughs> school at like afterwards. And I was the flip oh. of that. <laughs> so I grew up in Ottawa. Uh, my dad's from England; he's <clears> throat> English, throat> and my mom's Japanese. And then yeah, it was a reverse at f- school. It was actually mostly French, like in French immersion, and mm-hmm. then then Saturday morning Japanese language school. Mm. And it was it was really tough for my mom to keep that up for me, like. I, like, I really praise her, like, because mm-hmm. I would resist so much to going to Japanese school, speaking Japanese sure. to her, especially in front of my friends or on yes. the phone in front of my friends. I would switch to English, even though I never speak to her in English. Mm-hmm. Well, back then. Sure. Uh, so it was the reverse. And there's even a thing in the play of, like, having a, two different types of lunch, like a sandwich or a onigiri, a, a Japanese rice ball. And I love both. And but uh, I would kind of be ashamed of eating my Japanese mm-hmm. rice ball at the, my English school. Sure. Um, so it was that? But uh, contrary to Kaho, I was born and raised in Ottawa, so okay. very stable that way. But mm. went to Japan a lot in the summers. I went to school in Japan for grade one in one summer, mm-hmm. and also the reverse, like bullying as well. Part of it was superficial, like. My hair is brown and it got made fun of my hair, for example. Oh. That was less cultural, just maybe more just... <laughs> mm. Kids being kids. of cool. kids, Yeah, <laughs> that, that made me different because I look different. Sure. Uh, but otherwise, yes, stable in Ottawa. Type
0: you were thing. in French immersion. Yeah. And so was that... It's one thing to go back and forth between two languages. But where, did you find that you were doing French at school, English with your father and Japanese with your mother?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was fine for me. I think it helped that reading and writing were always strong suits of Mm -hmm. mine. I have other half-Japanese friends whose maybe brother developed language later in Mm -hmm. life, and so they pull them out of French immersion. Mm -hmm. I personally think that's a myth. I took this, like, (laughs) I I, I also, I went to McGill as well, and uh, I took this class on the psychology of bilingualism, Mm -hmm. and it's fascinating, but the thesis is basically the number of languages, it doesn't hinder and it doesn't hinder mm-hmm. anything. It might be slower to start initially, but once you're over that hurdle, at a certain point in mm-hmm. childhood, you're free. Anyway, so the three languages was fine. It was normal. And our and our family friends were also, there were three families, and the mothers were all half Japanese. Okay. And so all the kids were, it was like half Indian, half English for mm-hmm. me, and half French Canadian mm-hmm. for another family. And we all, it was English, French, Japanese kind of mixed up all the time. Okay. Okay. And it was seamless. It was normal for me. I mm. understand that it's not normal for a lot of people, but mm. it was it was seamless. Okay.
0: Yeah, nice. For me. Cool. And what is it that brought you each tour to theater? Ooh.
1: Uh,
2: well,
0: do you remember what your theater, your like your theater origin story is? What what made <laughs> you want to to do it? What your first exposure was?
1: Yeah. Well, I was an extremely shy child to the point that I I wouldn't speak. Like when I was six or seven outside Mm -hmm. of the home. And so my parents enrolled me in a after school drama program Mm
2: -hmm. to help
1: me, help coax me out of my shell. Uh, And so that, that's what did it really. Mm. And then uh, I went to an arts high school for drama because a lot of people at that after school drama school were pumped into the high school after. Mm -hmm. That's where it began. Yeah. So around nine Mm -hmm. because I was so shy. Yeah.
0: But was there, I mean, at a certain point you go from like, that's a thing that you do to bring you out of your shell to, to, uh, now you have to make decisions about university and what you want to do with the rest of your life. Was there ever any resistance to like, what made you decide that the theater was something that you wanted to do even in your adult life?
1: I don't know if it was a rational reason. It's something I always wanted to do since I was a child. Mm-hmm. And, um, Pro- may- probably part of it is the self expression th- that mm-hmm. uh, I didn't have, or when I was younger, or like, or I found it easier to express myself mm-hmm. when I was not being myself, quote unquote. Yeah. Even though it's always yourself. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. And then I mean, I went, I went to McGill, I studied politics. Like I went on a roundabout route. I did theater on the side. Mm even though I always knew it was something I wanted to do, I just didn't have the confidence to pursue it at that time. Mm.
0: Yeah. So you, was, was politics your major at McGill?
1: Yeah. I yeah. was like a major in yeah. politics and minor in Italian. Like, okay, <laughs> it was a very not <laughs>
0: okay. acting. And so you, you, you left McGill and then, then what?
1: Um, it's a real, it's, it's long, but short. Moved to Vancouver, yeah. went to a film acting school for six months there. And then, did more acting for film and TV there mm-hmm. and theater and then moved to England where I went to a proper quote unquote like drama school theater school. Yeah. Where I got a master's and then lived in London, UK for a while and then moved to Toronto. Okay. Like six months ago.
0: Oh okay. So pretty recently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. kaha what's your what's your theater origin story?
2: Um, I guess it started with just loving to sing and dance to um disney princess songs when i was very young um so that's when it started Um, can i
0: before we go further can i ask what your disney princess was or did were you were you not picky
2: i was not picky okay it was like the entire album just play it performing (laughs) in the living room i was very shy but Mm -hmm. you know at home i could do whatever yeah um but then I started performing in middle school and high school. This was back in Japan. Um, it was a, it was like an after-school drama club mm-hmm. um, called, it's kind of a lame name, um, English-speaking society was like, it's like a general term in Japan that lots of like high schools use, which sure. is like super weird, um, but shortened for ESS. And so did lots of, you know, major musicals like Mamma Mia and sure. all these things. Um And then after moving to Montreal, it was, you know, I did do the after school drama clubs and all of that. But at McGill, um, I wanted to get involved backstage. And I don't know, I don't even remember what that instinct was. Mm -hmm. Um, But the first show, I was an assistant stage manager, like not knowing anything at all what happens backstage. And I just jumped into it. Um, My mentor, uh, Marissa Lewis, just is the most amazing mentor ever so she basically showed me what backstage looked like Mm -hmm. and that just triggered this whole thing where I was like okay backstage is amazing like Mm -hmm. you you know that like as an audience member you see actors and you know performers and Mm -hmm. you, you kind of think that that's everything um which was what I used to think and then after being involved in that specific production it was really eye-opening to see the entire process of Mm -hmm. you know what directors do stage management does like all these designers um so yeah that was just how it all started
0: (laughs) what were you studying at mcgill
2: um english drama and theater and econ was my other major (laughs)
0: Do you, you double major? I did
2: double, I did a double major. Okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> That's good. Um, did either of you, as you started to pursue theater, find anybody pushing back in your family or at school or anything like that? Yep. Both yep. of you are nodding. Both <laughs> of you are yeah. nodding. Okay. Was that like obviously you're doing it? So what was that? What was the process of of getting through that pushback like?
2: For me, it was. Definitely, my parents. So they're traditional Japanese parents, mm-hmm. um, very traditional. My mom is a, a stay-at-home mom. My dad, um, you know, has a nine-to-five, like really great job. So the expectations from when I was younger was, well, I don't know if this is like a typical, well, it is a typical Asian thing where like doctor or lawyer, you know, like something, something like a great career you was sure? what was pretty much expected. <clears throat> uh, but they knew my passion of doing theater and. They were, they were fine until I was in university, but every summer or winter break, I would go home and they would say, so what are you doing after graduation? <laughs> and I guess also there was that cultural thing where in Japan, if you go to a Japanese university um, from when you're in your like third year, you start job hunting. So by the time you graduate, you have a job lined up. Right. And that's pretty much the job that you're going to have until you die. <laughs> okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> like that's,
2: you know, you enter a company, you build up your career there. And that's like, that's, that's just how it is. And that's how my parents grew up. Um, so that was the expectation. So me not job hunting yeah. and doing theater in my third year, they were just, they were just worried as parents. Like, sure. what are you doing? Are you really going into the arts? Cause obviously that's not going to be a lot of money. Can you self-sustain mm. like all these things? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, I'm self-sufficient. Like, now, right. like, they do support it, um, but they don't verbally say things like, oh, I'm proud of you. Like, that's not something that they say because it's just kind of the unspoken culture where right. it's kind of an approval if they don't say anything to you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: uh, which is funny, but it's so true. Like, my hmm. parents, they won't say, I'm pr- I've never heard my mom or my dad say, I'm proud of you to me, but I know that, I know that they are, you know? Right. Um... But yeah, cultural things. <laughs>
0: Can I just say that, that the idea of like going into a company and that's the company I stay in till till I die kind of gives me a little bit of anxiety.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's a big decision. It's and you're massive. You know, it's before going into society, but that's what's yeah. expected. Mm. And I, I know that times are changing and I know I do have friends who <clears> have <throat> already quit their jobs and tried something else. Yeah. But it is still kind of in a way not usual to do those yeah. things.
1: So yeah.
0: Sachi, what kind of what kind of uh, pushback did you find yourself getting?
1: Similar, yeah. my parents, but specifically my mother, who is the Japanese one. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of pushback, and we had so many fights about it. And um, I remember, I had first a- summer after first year university, I had a summer job in Italy, and I like after I'd like have this thirty minute walk home from either work or like from a bar i was 18 and i like i call my parents my mom and be like Uh 9 p.m their time and the whole time it would just be us like me trying to convince her like Uh acting theater and she's always like no 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 and right (laughs) um so many fights but then Uh it's now they're super supportive Uh now it's flipped and the turning point was when i moved to vancouver after i graduated from mcgill and went to a that film acting uh-huh. school for six months, and then they became supportive. And I asked her why, and she's like, oh, well, now I know you're serious about it. And <laughs> <laughs> and before, I was like, what? <laughs> uh, but fair enough. Anyway, okay. so uh, they're both now, like, completely the opposite. Like, they will mm-hmm. go see plays, and they'll, like, take a picture of the, the like the board of all the headshots of the actors and Aww. say like, looking forward to seeing your headshot up there. Uh-huh. <laughs> so supportive. It's really flip, but I think yeah. it, it took me showing them. I say them, but it's really my mother. My yeah. dad mm-hmm. is pretty <laughs> um Yeah. It took showing her that I was serious, I guess. I mm. wish she told me that before. Yeah. But <laughs> um, there we have it. Did
0: you guys uh, go to see theater uh, when you were kids? Yeah,
1: I did. Most of it was in high school, because I went to that yeah. arts high school, mm-hmm. and then Ottawa had, has has um, two major theatres. One is NAC, and they had this, like, uh, rush ticket program mm-hmm. if yes, you're a student, yeah. so it was $10 yeah, for yeah. any show if you got the ticket two hours in advance type of thing. So I went all the time, yeah. mostly in high school, mm-hmm. but... Um, but, you know, as a child, too, sometimes.
0: So, but aside from, like, when you were, like, because you were shy and they were taking you to theater. Which, by the way, did you ever feel like saying, listen, this theater thing is your fault? Like, <laughs> you put me in theater and you thought I wasn't going to fall in love with it?
1: <laughs> I might have said that. I can't remember, but probably.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, totally is their fault.
0: Hmm. But you sounded a little, you sound a little tentative about whether you saw
1: I, I would just...
2: Thinking about the times, I think it was more ballet. I -hmm. I went to see a lot of ballet shows when I was very young, um, just because my sister uh, used to do lots of ballet. Mm -hmm. So we would go support her. So The Nutcracker, Sleeping Beauty, all these things. Um, When I was younger, not too much. But after I I got the passion for uh, musical theatre, if we went on a trip to New York, it was always, I need to see a Broadway show. And, like... My parents don't love musical theater. My right. mom, my mom really thinks that it's stupid. <laughs> so for her, she, she, my sister and my mom would go see a ballet show, and my dad would come with me to see a Broadway show. So that's kind of how it worked out. Um, but yeah, I feel like I see more of theater after I went into university mm. and after learning more about it. I, you know, not just to support my friends, but I do want to branch out and see different. Um, shows, so, yeah.
0: Do you remember what you, the first Broadway musical you saw was?
2: Apparently it was Beauty and the Beast. Okay. When I was six, but I have no memory <laughs> whatsoever.
0: What's the first one that you remember?
2: It was, oh, uh, it was um, like a world tour of In the Heights. Okay. Um, They came to <clears throat> Tokyo and my friend had tickets. And, yeah, she just took me and it was just insanely good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That yeah, I pretty much died. No, okay, this is my passion. Like I, I know that like down the line, I want to do something in the mm-hmm. theater. Um yeah. was my thought when I saw it. Nice. Yeah.
1: Nice.
0: Is this your first fringe festival this year?
1: Uh it's first time for me acting mm-hmm. in one. Okay. I directed and produced a show in the Vancouver Fringe mm-hmm. before, mm-hmm. but first time acting. Okay. How about you, Connor? For
2: me, Toronto Fringe is my second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, I was uh, the production manager for The Joy of Sax. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, more managing. And that was actually my first Toronto theatre that mm-hmm. I did. Um, and when I was in Montreal, I was actually uh, one of the venue technicians okay. for the Montreal Fringe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, pretty much backstage technical stuff.
0: Cool. What, what was your venue in Montreal?
2: It was... Um, Oh, the name! It was the church one. It was okay. Um, yeah, they converted a Portuguese. I think it's this year too. I don't know. Oh, Santa Cruz is yeah, yeah, the yeah. name of the venue. They convert a Portuguese church into a theater, which is insane. Like we have to build everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> when I was when I was in uh, a, year, a few years ago, I did Montreal Fringe, and it was a, a, a World Cup year.
2: Okay. <clears throat>
0: and so trying to see a show at that venue and then like leave when there was a soccer game was just insane. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, it was a, it
2: was a fun venue. I had so yeah. much fun, but mm. also all the technicians were like, "Why did we why can't we rent a different theater instead of just <laughs> making the whole thing from scratch?" But yeah. yeah, I I loved it.
0: Nice. Um did you guys get did you get in on the on the lottery or were you waitlisted or
2: I got in. Yeah. Okay, nice, <laughs> which nice. Was, nice. Which was like a Like, I I started writing the script beforehand, but that was kind of a wake-up call um, to finish writing the script. Yeah. Um, But actually, because of my status in Canada, I was in the... inter, were in the international category, actually. So I think the odds were better...
0: Yes, yeah. ...compared
2: to if I were in the national or Ontario.
0: The Ontario one is a really difficult one. It's insane. Ontario 60 (laughs) is pretty insane. Yeah. It's like... Something like almost... 350 on average entries for like 60 slots or something mm-hmm. ridiculous like that. So yeah.
2: Yeah. They, sh- yeah. I saw the PDF of all the, you know, numbers, lottery numbers and the production names. And yeah. it was like, Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what made it international, the content or that you, it was me. It was okay. basically me not being Canadian yet. I'm working on my PR. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not a citizen here. Right. So that just not the content or anything. Mm-hmm. I, Entered in as an international. Sure. Yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah. Nice. How? What's the? What's the process of of, of 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 getting ready for fringe? been like for you because it can be pretty overwhelming.
2: It's so overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I am the writer and director, but also mm-hmm. the producer in a way. Yeah. Um, I have such like talented actors and like a very dedicated crew, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Um, but even like I. I knew a couple of people in Toronto in theatre, mm-hmm. but I did want to meet new people. So just even from the hiring process, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to begin with, auditions. Um, and I also wanted to document the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that I was thinking about from early on. And uh, actually my significant other, Ritzker, he is um the head of marketing Mm -hmm. which is I I personally don't love working with like significant others on a theater show Mm -hmm. in a in a creative setting setting. I hate it. I've worked with couples and it's just like doesn't work and I hated it. So I made it a ground (laughs) rule that like creative aspect and directing Mm -hmm. and all of that is me, but I do need help with marketing and he does marketing for a living. Sure. Um, so he's been super supportive and giving me fresh ideas because he he's never done theater. Mm-hmm. So as an outside person, he he does have lots of cool ideas mm-hmm. of um, what to do for marketing. and we discussed that, oh, we should definitely um, make it show show friends and family what the process is. Yeah. Um, so I have been documenting from day one, um, from like the lottery or like from when I was writing, just being on Instagram, Facebook. And that really helps, too, because I've had lots of friends and people who I haven't talked to in years would Mm. just message me and say, hey, you're doing something really cool. Is there any way I can help?
0: Yeah.
2: Um, So just like I know that social media can be, you know, like cruel and not great at times. But it's it's great because I'm reconnecting with people that are important to me who I haven't talked to in a long time. And I've had lots of help from them.
0: I think one of the interesting things is the fact that you're documenting this process because the average theater goer, the average person who, you know, again, they see what's on stage not what mm-hmm. goes behind, just much like you did when you were, when you were younger. Um, and so the process of putting a show together is like magic. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a thing that they don't see. So mm-hmm. it's kind of fascinating to give people, for people who don't know, to give them a window into how that works.
2: Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, can I ask you about um, the name of your company, Human Burrito, and where that comes from?
2: <laughs> um, Yeah. So this was before I entered my name into the lottery. So we had to come up with a company <coughs> name. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted it to be very original. I wanted it to, be, to create some kind of, like, fuzzy feeling. I love that feeling, like, the comfort and the fuzziness. Um, so I was just, you know, for days I was trying to think of, like, a good word for it and i love naps
1: <laughs> i love
2: i love to nap yeah, like yeah. that's kind of my self-care time so i would always be like kind of wrapped around in a blanket mm-hmm. and i was like oh I, I feel like a human burrito it's it's, mm-hmm. it's something that i just said and i was like oh human burrito
0: <laughs>
2: and i was like that's that's pretty fuzzy and nice mm-hmm. um so yeah, that's kind of how it started. All <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yeah. All right, Sachi, so, you were uh, from 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 performer's point of view, getting ready for uh, the Toronto Fringe. Has any of the the stress hit you yet, or is that probably going to come closer to? <laughs>
1: uh, it'll come closer to. I mm-hmm. think it's been very like relax, well, like relaxing, but like creatively fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Taking our time, exploring a lot of the text and the culture and. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it's been very fl- like fluid our mm-hmm. rehearsals, so it's been great. Nice. uh The stress will come later. <laughs> yeah.
0: What's What's your venue?
1: Uh, Randolph. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right.
0: It's a big venue.
2: It is a big. It's venue. a big venue. <laughs> it's okay. Really yeah.
0: for, yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about filling that venue?
2: Good. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think we'll do good. Nice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> nice. And, and are you happy? Like, what's your schedule look like? Are you Are you good? I think. Yeah. yeah. I think it's yeah. good. Nice.
2: um because you know i i know because i was the venue technician in montreal Mm -hmm. i know how insane it is to create schedule and all of that um but even taking that into consideration the times Mm -hmm. like yes we have like one or two days that's kind of random times like starting at 2 p.m everybody's got to have a couple of those exactly so i'm i'm really happy
0: Yeah. yeah 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 those two weeks yeah um uh, I had a thought, and I lost it. So, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> um, are you? What's your? What's your? I mean, you, you you have somebody who's helping you with with promotion. Yes. So, um, do you know what your promotional uh, um, process looks like yet? Or,
2: yeah, we've started. Well, the I guess the big main thing is documenting the process uh-huh. is really uh-huh. helping. Um, so we're very active on Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook. We try to have one photo from each rehearsal, mm-hmm. um, just to like document everything. Um, what else? We've had pretty good, um, success and we, d- we do have a GoFundMe, uh, going on mm-hmm. as our fundraiser. Um, but I think the best way, um, to promote shows is to just talk to people about it is yeah. what I've been feeling, mm-hmm. um. My friend uh, Kim is organizing uh, this event called uh, Skip the Small Talk. Mm-hmm. It's this event where um, you just you just come to this event and you basically sit down at a table with three other strangers. Mm-hmm. There's a deck of cards with questions on it, like very deep questions. Mm-hmm. Um, like, for example, what does love mean to you? Okay. Or um, what is your most cherished memory? And you just talk with strangers. And I, I've, I've went to a couple of those uh, meetups mm-hmm. and... I've met really cool people around the world and like in the end I do talk about my show because it is dear to me. It's my sure. passion project and people are really interested and yeah. they would want to connect and they mm-hmm. want to be updated to actually come see the show. So I've made good friends that way, but I've, you know, had great conversations about the show. So, I mean, I know it's not really like a huge, you know, marketing campaign, but I, I like that human connection, just talking to yeah. people um, and it's something that I love. So Yeah.
0: <clears throat> but on the other side, that's that's giving you a lot of experience pitching your show to people.
2: Yeah, that's true. Which
0: is again another one of the because Toronto is a flyer town. So mm-hmm. when Fringe is on, like being able to walk up to people and talk about the show, you already have experience knowing what your show's pitch is, which mm-hmm. is super helpful. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> have, have, have you considered the the that the 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 lines as part of your promotional process or?
2: Um, Yes. Yeah. Well, we actually had to submit something for Fringe the other day. So I kind of had like what the message is mm-hmm, with the mm-hmm. whole internal cultural struggle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does help talking to a bunch of people. Yeah. Like not just these events, but if you go to a party, you just talk about yeah, it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely. Been what are you most looking forward to about uh, about doing the show at Fringe? Uh, well, uh,
1: related to the previous question Mm -hmm. too yeah like because this show is so uniquely about my personal cultural experience as well yeah um Mm -hmm. i really look forward to sharing that with friends and family Mm -hmm. like even even my parents don't really know what it's like to be mixed Mm -hmm. or or to have this Mm -hmm. i mean my mom does a bit because she's lived in canada for so many years Mm -hmm. but uh i look forward to sharing that with people Mm -hmm. uh it's really like an insider's view and this is probably the play uh, that's like most clo- like it's close to home, the closest to home sure. that I've ever done. Okay, yeah. uh, so I look forward to that. Yeah, showing the world like no. what our experience <laughs> yeah. is like, nice. just quite yeah. unique and not that common. So,
0: no, absolutely, absolutely, Kaho. What are you looking forward to?
2: Definitely that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I am looking forward to opening night, just sitting down and enjoying the show. <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah, like. As much as I love the process and everything, mm-hmm. um, it is pretty stressful, you know, oh. <laughs> just going through the whole thing. So just, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to sitting down and just enjoying what all the designers, what the actors, yeah. you know, collaborated on. Mm-hmm. Um, I am also um, looking forward to showing it to my parents who are <laughs> who are flying in. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow, so, that's great. Yeah. That, nice. They are being supportive and it's... Pretty much the first time I'm showing a show to them. Mm-hmm. They've all, the last time they were in Canada after they left was for my graduation, and it was for my graduation. So you know, I, I wasn't in a sh- I wasn't working on mm-hmm. a show then. But this time, it's you know, my my project, my baby. Yeah, um, something that I wrote, something that I directed. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to. S- to s- I am also scared. You know, like I don't know what their reaction sure, is going to yeah. be like, but. I'm I'm excited to see what it what that's going to look like feel like.
0: You know, from another point of view, I mean, it's not just your parents because you never know what any how like you don't know how reviewers are going to react. You don't know how an audience is going to react. You you can't know until it's done. So that's like yeah. the theater experience is <laughs> like how are people going to react to this thing when it's done? So definitely
2: that's
0: terrifying and, and also exhilarating.
2: Yeah, and I also just having conversations with um, people, not you know like. In Canada, if you're not native to the land, mm-hmm. you're from somewhere. Yes, you are yeah. an immigrant um, and you do have that cultural background. So when I talk about my show to friends and people I just meet, they, they say that, oh, wow, like that's really interesting because although I'm not Japanese, mm-hmm. I I feel that, like you know, like some people have an Italian and Greek background and sure. there's that cultural struggle mm-hmm. um, going on at home. And yeah, just creating that conversation has been very cool and I feel like it'll continue um, throughout the process Mm -hmm. and definitely um, during shows meeting the audience members going to see other French shows yeah Um, yeah yeah Yeah,
1: looking forward to that yeah awesome (laughs) my parents will be coming too but from Ottawa so a little bit not quite as far
0: not quite as far but
1: but like Elements of your family are in the show. Too. Yeah, that must be exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know, so it, it is a
2: storytelling sprinkled with fiction. Right. So there are things that my dad has said to me, like advices that he's given me that are in the play. Mm-hmm. So I think it, he'll he'll he will catch that. You know. Yeah. So it's like it's not him on stage, but it kind no, of is, and it's yeah.
0: Does that make you nervous?
2: It makes me very nervous. <laughs> 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 so nervous, but. Yeah you know what it's happening well that's
0: the thing right it there's the all you can do is do it yeah yeah yeah
2: yeah
0: (laughs) well thank you so much you guys it's been a lot of fun
2: yeah thank you so much it was so fun